Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. You want to read Ecclesiastes chapter 2 for us? I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself, but behold, this also was vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold in the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Anyone seen the movie Groundhog Day? Groundhog Day, it's an old one. If you have young people, you haven't seen it, you need to watch that one. Groundhog Day um, happens in this news reporter goes to, to cover Groundhog Day at this little town in Pennsylvania. And while he's there, time stops for him and him alone. And he wakes up the next morning, and it's Groundhog Day again. And he wakes up the next morning, it's Groundhog Day again, right? We, we know this story. And so for day after day, he's, he's in the same day. Every morning his alarm goes off, he repeats the exact same day. And as he starts to understand this, he goes through a world of emotions, from excitement to sadness to anger to frustration. And there's this point in, in Groundhog Day, one of the first days, when he starts to get excited about the reality that he can live one day, do whatever he wants to do, and then just repeat it the next day. Okay, and he's, and he's at a bar and he, and he says this to one of his buddies. He says, let me ask you a question. What if there was no tomorrow? And his buddy who doesn't know about him repeating these days says, no tomorrow? Well, that would mean there's no consequences. There'd be no hangovers. We could do whatever we wanted. Ecclesiastes is written for those who wonder, like the guy on Groundhog Day, what, if, what is there to life? What, what makes a good life? And if I could just do the same day over, what would be the most fulfilling thing to do? And in Groundhog Day, he tries everything. He parties he eats a lot of food. He sleeps with multiple women. He achieves certain things, learns how to play the piano. He doesn't move on to February 3rd until he reaches finally contentment on February 2nd. But we don't get the advantage to relive 
every day. And so Ecclesiastes is this wise teacher instructing you and I on how we might live and find fulfillment in our lives. He's going to question everything you think about this world, everything you put your hope, your love, your affection towards. He's going to question. There's a word that shows up in Ecclesiastes. In your translation, it may say vanity or meaningless. Do you guys remember the Hebrew word for that? What is it? Hevel. I want you to learn that word, hevel. The word hevel is what's translated meaningless or vanity, but hevel also refers to the idea of smoke. It's a complex Hebrew word. It says this, that when you see smoke or fog or a cloud, it looks like there's substance there, but if you go reach to grab it, you'll find it's empty. That's hevel. And that's what over and over Solomon, who's the teacher in this, will instruct us that much of what we pursue in our lives, much of what, of what drives us, that we look for purpose, that we worry about, it's simply hevel. It's meaningless. Well, in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, Solomon is going to begin an experiment here. Right? And he says this in verse two, or chapter 2, verse 1. He said in my heart, okay, come now, I will test you with pleasure. So he's going to go through a series of tests and experiments in this book to figure out what satisfies, to what will bring purpose and meaning to his life. And so the first thing he's going to do is he's going to go to hedonism. He's going to test pleasure. If it feels good, he's going to do it. So he says, I will test pleasure. Enjoy yourself, Solomon. Enjoy yourself. But this is vanity. Solomon's going to become his own lab rat. He is going to spend his life testing if pleasure is enough to give us what we need in this life. So Solomon's going to throw a party. Now, I need you to expand your definition of a party. He's going to throw parties, and they're going to get after it. Now, your little frat party you did in college, it's nothing compared to Solomon. Because some, I know some, well, he partied, but did he party? Yes, he did. In 1 Kings, we get a glimpse of what Solomon's parties look like. What type of food and supplies and beverages were needed for one day of Solomon's parties. One day. Here's what he says. Here's what it says. 1 Kings 4. Judah and Israel, under the leadership of Solomon, were as many as the sand by the sea, and they ate and drank and were happy. Pleasure. Solomon ruled over all kingdoms, from the Euphrates to the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. They brought tribute. We'll talk about that in a second. That's kings coming and like bowing down and paying him. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. Solomon's provisions for one day was 30 cores of fine flour. Now, a core, I did the math, which take it for what it's worth, me doing the math. Um, two liter bottle of soda, got that in your head? That's 110 two liter bottles of soda, of flour. That's a lot of pancakes. A lot of flour. 60 cores of meal, that's 220 two liter bottles of, of corn meal or, or some type of meal. 10 fat oxen, Anyone ever had a good fat oxen? Man. 
20 pasture-fed cattle, or organic, he made sure and saw that, it's organic. 100 sheep, besides deer, gazelles, roebucks, and fattened fowl. One day of partying. That was the provision. He partied in a way that you and I know nothing of. Most, most historians think that that would feed, that list of, of what was used in one day would feed twenty to 25,000 people. It was a party. And this party would go day after day after day. And Solomon is testing this. So he's not, we got to remember this, as he write the book, writes the book of Ecclesiastes, it's the end of his life, or he, he gives it to the writer who writes it. But the whole time he's going through this, it's a test for him. So he's living it up, putting as much resources, throwing the biggest party he can, but it is all in his head. I will figure out, will this satisfy? Now everyone else in Israel, they're just, they're just eating, drinking, dancing, having a good time. But he is sitting back with a critic viewpoint to ask myself, does this do it? Verse 2, I said of laughter, it is mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? See, at Solomon's parties, he'd hire the best comedians. And they'd laugh. But after a while, it's the same old joke. And after a while, the laughter didn't do it like he thought. So he says, I said of laughter, hevel. Pleasure, what, what use is it? Verse 3, I searched my heart how to cheer my body with wine. And he says, my heart still guiding me with wisdom. Remember, he's going to remind us it's still an experiment, so I'm going to go after wine and how to lay hold on folly. When you see the word folly, just enter sex, drugs, rock and roll. Okay, just, just get that in your mind. Till I might see what is good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I love, he's always going to go negative during the few days of their life. I search my heart for wine. Solomon's going to go, he's going to party, he's going to laugh. Now he's going to get the best wine in the world. If you want to do that right now, one of the top bottles of French wine will cost you about $14,000 a bottle. Solomon would have said, I'll take the case. Actually, Solomon said, I'll take the vineyard. Unlimited resources, guys. Whatever type of wine he wanted to drink, he tried the sophisticated, like, uh, you know, let me try the most expensive, and he drunk the cheapest stuff and tried both ends of the spectrum to see what will satisfy. I was talking to one of my friends who spent um, their lives, spent their 20s living this life. Finding what will satisfy, chasing everything, drinking like crazy. I was talking to him and he said, uh, he was telling me about this. He's like, I could. I think about my 20s, all of my bars run together. I can't even remember which ones I was in. This, it's just one big story. That's Solomon. Verse 4. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. 
Solomon took 13 years to build his house. It had 130,000 people working on his house. It's not a little house. It's not a little three-bedroom, two-bath. He also built God's house, the temple. Now, this is interesting. It took him 13 years to build his house. It only took him seven years to build God's house. See where the priority might be there. So he said, I, I, I'm going to test pleasure. I'm going to test everything that the children of man, the sons of man, might find in their life to give them meaning and purpose and significance. I'm going to test it all. I'm going to tell you if it's worth it. And here's what he's going to say. Hevel. We have a young crowd. Many of you are on your first home. Here's what's going to happen in a few years. Honey, we need a bigger place. It happened to us. That's not judging. Honey, we need a bigger place. Some of you are in your little three-bedroom, two-bath. Oh, honey, if only. An old guy named Eddie Vedder in a song called Society says it like this. He said, it's a mystery to me. We have agreed, which we have agreed. You think you have to want more than you need. Until you have it all, you won't be free. I think I need to find a bigger place because when you have more than you think, you need more space. Anyone? See, if we, if we could have a moment of integrity, which is hard at church sometimes, I think all of us would have to admit in America, man, Solomon's true. If I could just have a bigger place. And Solomon's going to tell you, dude, I built it 13 years. It ain't going to do it for you. It ain't going to do it for you. Verse 5. I made myself gardens and parks and planted them and all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. Guys, Solomon didn't plant a garden. He built a forest. He planted a forest, and he planted so many forests and fruit trees and gardens that he needed water, so he made his own lake to water all of his fruit trees and his forest. Like, isn't there something fulfilling about completing a big project? Anyone just like sit back and like, wow, this is so cool. Guys, he did it. He completed it. Verse 7. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house I also had great possessions of herds and flocks more than any who had gone before me in Jerusalem he had every possession you've ever wanted whatever whenever you've said oh if only I had done he had it he had slaves. He had a maid, he had a butler, he had a masseuse, he had a mistress, he had a chef, he had a landscaper, a pool boy, a stylist. He did nothing for himself. He never cleaned his house. Never did laundry. All done for him. He says, I've had more than anyone else ever had. I had herds and flocks. He's the best farmer, career success. He had it all. 
He had as much money as anyone in the world. Verse 8, I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. So he has as much money as he wants. He has power. He is the most powerful man in the world. Other kings from other countries once a year would come to his palace and they would pay him tribute. Here is what that meant. Is as he's sitting on his throne, the king of Egypt would come with gold and silver and gifts and he would bow down before Solomon and say, here is the money, here is money tribute from, from Egypt. And he would bow down showing Solomon, Solomon, you are the most powerful man in the world. We are your subjects. He had money he had power. And he had women. He says, I had many concubines. Now, concubines are not what harvest corn. Okay? That's combines. Just to be clear, concubines. Can we shoot it straight? They're sex slaves. That's what they are. It's said that Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Man, can I talk to you for a minute? Any type of woman you've ever dreamed about, he had. As often as he wanted. But he's going to find it did nothing. He woke up the next morning just as empty as he was the day before. See, sex without honor and relationship and justice will always be empty. It will always be empty. I say that again. Sex without honor for the other person, honor for God, relationship, deep, meaningful relationship, justice, no power over justice. Sex without those three things is always empty. Verse 9, so I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. He's going to remind us over and over, guys, I didn't get lost. I was chasing it all, but it was all my experiment. Verse 10, get, can you wrap your head around? And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. Look at that statement. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Here's what he says. I kept my heart from no pleasure. I found some fun in the middle of that pleasure, but you know what the end was? You know what my reward was? Hevel. It says, I became great. Everyone in the world knew who I was. I was rich and I was famous. A band from my college days, Counting Crows, a song called Mr. Jones, he says this, when I look in the television, I want to see me staring right back at me. When everybody loves me, I will never be lonely. You ever thought that? Oh, if only I could reach this Instagram level or whatever it is these days, then when everybody loves me, I will never be lonely. They wrote that back in the mid-90s when they re-recorded it. Here's the new lyric. 
when everybody loves me, it's as messed up as you can be. How many people must go before us and tell us the same thing before we begin to listen? See, Solomon, is a, it's a gift to us here. He's trying to tell people that would come after him, guys, I've tried it all. Whatever you thought, if I just had this, he's like, it won't do it. It's empty. It's meaningless. He said, whatever I desired, I kept my heart from no pleasure. Listen to this. Solomon never told himself no. Solomon never said, if only. He said, it's done. Think about, whatever you said this week, man, if only I had. Solomon said, oh, yeah, done. I have it. Solomon never said, I wish. He said, let it be. Whatever his heart desired, he did not keep from it. He lived the American dream. He had the desire of every man. Money, power, and women. Money, power, women, he had it all. Here's another quote from a guy named Jim Carrey. I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. Verse 11. Then I, Solomon, considered all that my hands had done and the, the work I had expended in doing it. And behold, vanity, a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. Can you picture Solomon? He's an old man. He's lived every dream you've ever dreamed. He's lived it. And he's sitting out and he steps out on the palace, his big house that overlooks his valley. He, he looks out. Here's the moment where he's going to get everything he ever desired. It's going to finally make sense to him. He looked out as an old man at his empire. Hevel. It was all for nothing. He was old and bitter. It was smoke. It was a vapor. It, a metaphor I heard this week, it's like plowing water. You, you can put a lot of effort in there, but you look behind you, and it's right where it was. It's like plowing water. One of my favorite artists um, at the end of his life performed a song called Hurt. His name's Johnny Cash. And it's an incredible video. You need to watch the video because the whole verse, the whole, um, the whole video, it's kind of going through his life step by step and showing him as a young man and it's, it's showing images of his, it's called the House of Cash. It's like a tourist attraction where people can come and look at all these collectibles and then you'll see a sign it'll say closed. No one cares anymore. It's the very end of his life and there's this line in the song and it's, it, every time I see it, I tear up. Maybe I'll show it to you later in this series. But he is an old man, and he takes this glass of wine, and his hand is shaking because he's an old man, and he pours this wine out all over this table of this big banquet of all the stuff that he has. And here's what he says. You can have it all, my empire of dirt. And he will die soon after that. 
Hill City Church, hear me. Hear the Lord. No amount of pleasure, job accomplishment, or religious experience will give you what you are looking for. It cannot do it. It is hevel. Whatever you've said, if only, dot, 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 the Spirit of Jesus would say, no, 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 that's not true. See, the flaw of man, every single one of us, is that we look for satisfaction in the created things rather than the creator of those things. Every one of us. Please don't sit here and say, do I do that? Let me help you. Yes. Every one of us look for satisfaction in the created things rather than the creator. So we go to food that's supposed to be a beautiful gift of God and we take it to gluttony. We take wine, which is a beautiful gift of God, and we go to drunkenness. We take sex, a beautiful gift, and we go to perversion. We take laughter and we go to coarse joking. We take work and we go to overwork. We take rest and Sabbath and we take it into a lifestyle of recreation. See, the human struggle is to take good things that were created by God for our goodness, for our enjoyment, for his glory, and to not put them as ultimate, to put them where they need to be, to put Jesus as ultimate and then enjoy the good gifts out of that relationship with Jesus. So some people read Ecclesiastes like, what, Hood, you're telling me I can't have any fun? Like God's a big killjoy? And that's not what the message of Ecclesiastes is. As a matter of fact, jump down to verse 24. This may surprise you what he says. And all this, there is nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. Now that's a different, that's a change of tone. This also I saw is from the hand of God. This is the key, verse 25. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to the one who pleases God. This is also a vanity and a striving after the wind. Look at verse 25. Apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? Here's the message of Ecclesiastes. It's a tale of two kingdoms. Under the sun, the kingdom of the world, if you look to things in the kingdom of the world to give you a sense of it's, it's enough, satisfaction, contentment, you will always come up empty, will always be heavy. But as we begin to live in the kingdom of God, with God as our focus, enjoying him, then we can have these good gifts and enjoy them in a way that points us to more of God. So Solomon won't tell you, don't eat good food, don't have a good glass of wine, don't laugh. He won't tell you that. He's just going to say, if you're looking for that to do it, you've missed it. Have a relationship with God. Understand that all things are his. Be longing for the new kingdom. And in that longing, enjoy a good meal with friends. And laugh till you cry. And enjoy a really good glass of wine. But do it in a way that points you to a longing for the kingdom that will come. Not to find satisfaction here. See, in America, we live in a nation. We, we have freedom. We have all kinds of possessions. There's a huge middle class. We have everything we need. The challenge for us is that we think that God's design is a better world here. 
No, his design is a kingdom that will come, that we must begin to work towards to find glimpses of that kingdom here, but you're never going to find it fully here. So my city group tonight, we're going to start early because we're more spiritual than most of your groups. We're going to start tonight, okay? And Jarrell's in our city group now, and his mama is here this weekend, and she brought, and none of you can show up at my house when I tell you this. I will kick you out of there tonight. She bought a bunch of shrimp and fresh seafood from down south. And we're going to have a shrimp boil tonight. And we're going to eat, we're going to laugh, we're going to celebrate. But if any of us think that this will do it tonight, we've missed it. But see, what Ecclesiastes said is we understand that we have an inheritance as believers, that this world is not it, that there's a world to come, then actually tonight we can eat and drink and laugh with an enjoyment that pushes us towards the new kingdom. We can drink deeply and laugh and eat great shrimp, but not look for tonight to satisfy the desires of our heart. But let tonight stir us on to a kingdom that will come. Hill City, there's a deeper fulfillment. If we can learn that this is not our home, and therefore take away the expectation that this world will fulfill us, then we finally have the freedom to enjoy the simple pleasures that God gives us. But until we figure that out, here's what we'll do. We will spend our time rearranging our lives. Anyone? i got to have a different house. i got a different car. i got a different girlfriend, different boyfriend. Different. We'll spend our lives rearranging, trying to find it, and you'll miss out on what's going on right now. Right in front of you. So tonight at my house, as they're gathered around, I can long for a bigger house where we can do more of this or I can stop and enjoy the moment right now because it's never promised. See, Solomon gets us into kingdom language that Jesus is going to use when he comes. Remember, the kingdom was Jesus' favorite topic to talk about. You realize that? Go back and read Matthew, read Luke, the kingdom of God. It was his, his, his favorite thing to talk about. That there are two kingdoms. There's a kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. And God's kingdom is that you are righteous in Christ, and now you're invited to live as Jesus and bring more of the picture of that kingdom in this world. And the hope is that one day Jesus will come back, he will establish this kingdom forever, kick Satan and evil out, and this world will be the new kingdom. That is our hope. That's what we long for, but too often we get in this mindset where the kingdom of the world is it, and that God's plan is for us to have a better kingdom of the world. That's never been his plan. Never. And so Solomon's trying to help you put the gifts in the proper place that they may stir your affections for Jesus. Here's how C.S. Lewis will say it. Many of you have heard this before. If we consider the nature of the rewards promised us in the gospel, the new kingdom, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. See, Solomon's desire wasn't too strong, it's too weak. He says this, We are half-hearted creatures, fooling around about drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us. Anyone? 
fooling around with drink and ambition and sex, when infinite, infinite joy is offered us, we're like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what's meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. That's what Psalm is telling you. When we're, when we're trying to find satisfaction here with more drink, more sex, more achievement, more whatever, we will find ourselves lacking contentment. And he says it's like a kid who's playing in the slums, building some little sand castle or mud castles, and he's offered a trip to the sea, and he's like, no, I'll take, I'll take this. See, the kingdom of the world, which we, which we all live in, right, takes a good thing and wants to make it a God thing. And any good thing made to a God thing is a bad thing. But over here, God gave us the gifts, food and laughter and sex and wine, but they're never meant to fulfill us. They're meant to push us towards a new kingdom so we, that we might have a nice glass of wine and our hearts long for the banquet supper of the Lamb when there's wine to go around to everyone. That our hearts might, that we might eat a good piece of food and our hearts are stirred for a kingdom that will come and we'll all gather around the table, every tribe, language, nation, and eat together when evil is gone. See, Ecclesiastes is an invitation to the true believer to orient themselves to God's kingdom and not the kingdom of the world. The point has never been a better kingdom of the world. The point has always been a new kingdom. And Solomon will tell you, until as believers we begin to understand this and move over here, our hearts will be restless. Augustine says our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. Could you tell yourself that? Could you preach to yourself? God, my heart is restless. I will never stop until I find my rest in you. Here's how Jesus said it. 1 John 2. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life, money, power, women, or men, all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life, it's not from the Father. It's from this world. And this world is passing away. It will end along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God, this new kingdom, abides forever. So, so I don't believe here, and I'm not going to tell you, you need to sell all of your possessions. Anything that you've looked for, you need to get rid of them. I, I don't know that that's true, although maybe God will invite you to do that. But I do believe it's an invitation for believers to begin to awaken to the kingdom of God, for us to together confess that, God, we have focused too much of the kingdom of the world. COVID has showed me 
how angry I get when my world is turned upside down. COVID has showed me how restless I get because my favorite restaurant's not open. COVID has showed me how I wanna go control everything else when I find no control here. And Jesus would tell you, you're not meant to find control here. It's the kingdom of the world, it's ruled by Satan. We're meant to hope in the kingdom of God. So as the Holy Spirit teaches us to deny this kingdom of the world, what happens is the kingdom of God slowly takes over our hearts and our minds and then finally our actions. See, as we learn to think under the rule and reign of Christ, as opposed to the world, we begin to learn where our identity and significance and joy comes from. Hill City, through these weeks of Ecclesiastes, may we be stirred for the kingdom that will come. May we together say, God, our hearts are too easily pleased. And may we continue to hear the beautiful voice of Jesus inviting us to repent and believe and trust him over here. Let's pray together.